tuning in to the online broadcast network, AfterBuzz TV. Over 20 million weekly downloads in over 150 countries and your number one source for after show entertainment. Johnson. TV, the destination for TV superfans, producing aftershows for over 300 of your favorite TV shows, interviewing celebrities and showrunners, and bringing you behind-the-scenes exclusives. All thanks to E! Entertainment's Maria Menounos, producer Kevin Undergaro, and internet leader Akamai. Now, let the buzz begin! Hey guys, welcome into the Penny Dreadful After Show for the season two finale right here on AfterBuzz TV and AfterBuzzTV.com. Thank you for joining us. A little bit late on Tuesday, two days after it obviously went up on Sunday uh, with the holiday and traveling and everything. I'm Bobby DeMuro, your host. Next to me, Marissa Serafini. Hello. And across the table, Sarah Stretton. Hi guys, I just got checked the chat so I have to read all of what you just said so I will be out of commission for the next three minutes. And we won't call on her for anything important. And Roxy Stryer. Roxy, hello. Hi guys. Happy to be here. Uh, Sorry. Better late than ever, right? Better late than ever is right. Thank you guys again for being patient. I know we got a ton of tweets about when this was going up. So we're here now. If you are watching live, we know a lot of people are. Sarah is on the live stream, so you can send her questions in the chat like you guys always do. Uh, she's catching up with all that. I'm so far behind. Girlfriend, <laughs> just just jump ahead. And Hello, we've got everyone. and we've got a lot to talk about. As a reminder, I know this is a season two finale, but if you watch a lot of AfterBuzz stuff, hit subscribe, YouTube, and iTunes. Uh, you can follow AfterBuzz on every social media network at AfterBuzz TV, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, all that good stuff. Um, and real quick before we jump into our episode today, and they were enemies, the season two finale. Wanted to share something with you guys. We give you a ton of free content here at After. Buzz, and we love interacting with you. And I know a lot of people ask us how they can support us. One way to support us is supporting our sponsors and partners. And one of those partners is Mazda. So, guys, does driving matter to you? Well, there are over 4 million miles of road in the U.S. to find out, and that is a lot of ground to cover. A lot of highways, freeways, wrong ways, and long ways, and they are all there waiting to be driven on. So, do you take that left turn at Albuquerque, or do you just keep going? Do you wake up early Sunday morning for a drive before the traffic does? Or do you take the long, winding road home for a change? If driving matters to you, just get out and drive. Why? Well, because driving matters. Thanks to Mazda for helping us out here on Penny Dreadful's After Show at AfterBuzz TV. Uh, ladies, what do we think? Season 2 is over. We're going to talk about where we go later on in the show. But uh, initial first impressions of the last episode, wow. I thought the finale was great. I will say for a finale, for especially for this show, they tied up a lot of the big storylines. The, the main core Season 2 story arc was finished, and I like that. And But I didn't expect such a kind of morose feeling for a finale at the end of it and I mean I'm not it's not that I don't like it I'm just surprised did they tie up too many storylines I think they they left a good amount open ended to lead into the next season I'm really excited about talking about this tonight because I feel like usually when I go into an episode and I go into an after show, I really have my mind made up. And right now, I I honestly don't. I saw the episode twice. 
Um, I watched it on Sunday because I couldn't wait for for you guys. Sorry. Um, and then I rewatched it with you guys tonight. And honestly, I have a lot of feelings, and I really don't know what to do with them. So I'm I'm excited to kind of mold my opinion as we go. Sh- share share one if you don't mind. I'm curious where yeah, you're conflicted. Um, I I think that what's going on with a lot of these individual characters is separating them. We're pulling them apart in many ways, and we work strongest as a team. Now, in terms of a plot device, I think that that could be very useful, but in terms of me rooting for my characters, I know that it's not the right move. So um, I'm feeling torn as as an audience member because I'm a supporter of the show, but I'm also a supporter of the individual characters. Um, So I'm just kind of reeling with all of this. I'm 100% with you. We'll talk about it later. I don't want to tease it too much, but my biggest question when we finished this episode was how are we going to have a season three, which is a dumb question, and I know there's a lot of things to do, but they tied up so much stuff, and the characters are going in such disparate ways. The title of this episode, and they were enemies, I don't know that every character is such an enemy in a cut-and-dry way, Mm -hmm. and we can talk about that title if we want, but it was like, wait a second, we have like four offshoot storylines that aren't going to connect. Vanessa won't connect with Ethan. Caliban, John Claire won't connect with these people. And I know a lot can happen, but I'm kind of with you. Where the hell do they go? Right. I think maybe the title is a, it has double meanings. Maybe they are enemies of themselves, not just with other people. Victor, certainly. It for would, sure. For one. It would be very, very interesting if there was an 11th episode after this, because I think that we're using our hiatus in a very uh, clever way, because we are all splitting up. If we had to have an episode next week, I really don't know what they would have done. Maybe they would have done something similar to what we did a few weeks ago, where we just focused on Vanessa for one week, and she happened to be with Ethan. But I I really don't know. There has to be either some sort of time jump, or I don't think we can pick up the day after when we come back, because we'll we'll be in trouble. Um, Sarah, anything noteworthy in the chat right now? Um... What I most want to call attention to is Dallas Jackson just a couple seconds ago said that they knew they were being renewed when season two started. And to me, that was a really big factor in how I took in this episode. Um, You mean they knew they were being picked up for season three? Yeah. That, according to Dallas Jackson, they knew they were being renewed when season two started. And that was my biggest problem with this finale. First of all, I liked last week's episode better than I liked this week's episode. Second of all, I felt like they almost ended this episode episode in a way that they could have left the show completely. And that bummed me out because I did not like the feeling that I left the end of this episode with. Do you feel as if you shouldn't like a finale less than the episode prior to it? Um, Game of Thrones. Yeah, I, I think that... I know other people would have different opinions. I'm just curious. I don't know. I don't have a straight, like, yes, no, yes, no answer. I think this was not just one step below. I thought this was multiple steps below last episode. And that bothers I didn't you. really like this episode. If I'm looking at the season as a whole, this is not an episode I really want to rewatch. There's a few key scenes that I think are great scenes, but as an episode as a whole, there's a lot of scenes I would fast forward through. Hmm. Interesting. 
I really right. enjoyed it. I, I, it's okay. We'll have to talk about this um, for you guys at home as we get going and we kind of break down topics like we always do. I think one question we maybe are all curious about. We'll kind of open up our predictions that we'll do later to you guys. Where do they go from here? Where do you see season three going at home? So if you're in the live stream, as you you know talk to us about everything else, if you want to throw some things in there, if you're watching this later on, you want to throw up some YouTube comments. Uh, where do they go from here? Where does Penny Dreadful go in season three? We'd love to hear your input on that. Comment on YouTube, all that good stuff. Okay, let's talk about the castle first off. Our first location, uh, Madame Kali, the doll, all this sort of stuff. We see Vanessa confront her doll and uh, win the most badass line. One of the more badass lines I've ever seen in this show for two seasons is that beloved know your master mm-hmm. line from Vanessa. Who? Uh, I thought that the even the line before that, you offer me a normal life. Why do you think I want that anymore? I know what I am. Do you? Mm-hmm. And then I'm not even going to try to say what the, she said next because it went along the lines of, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I said I was going to try, but then I guess I did. Um, close. Yeah, That's she, very close. Uh, her, just performance-wise and as somebody who really, really appreciates actors, um, that... That scene almost made the entire episode for me because I think that she, I think that that was as flawless of a performance as you could possibly get. She was, she is so talented. Like, and that was a new level that, and a new layer that I haven't even seen from her. We've seen her get to that same point and that same extreme, but this showed a different light, and it opened my eyes to just like, wow, the possibilities are endless when it comes to her. They. The casting was perfect on this role. It's like the seance done over. It's like that thing passed it. But it was different. But it was different. It wasn't like, oh, I've already seen her hit this note. Because the seance was also incredible. I just thought that this moment... um, So that helped me a lot because she did such a great job. But what actually was going on was a little... mm, I had a hard time watching a doll talk to her mm-hmm. and being like, ooh, threatening. It was a, a little, for lack of better words, childish to me. That didn't bother me at all. This is actually my favorite scene, definitely, of the entire finale. Um, getting down to completely agree with her acting prowess. On top of that, I thought the makeup was fantastic. Mm-hmm. How they mm-hmm. did, around the eyes. They did her eyes and around her lips as she got more intense. I just felt that scene was just really pulled me in. The doll didn't bother me because how we're supposed to channel, we haven't really seen that much come of these dolls. Like, we've seen um, Madakali poke and prod them and seen the effect they have on the being they're connected to, but we never seen really the doll utilized in this way, so it felt new. And being that carrier of the devil's voice or the master's voice was really interesting to me because what else were you like you could do the very typical like have him come out of the flames which we've seen a thousand times I didn't need Mm -hmm. to see that again what about the fact that it was her voice that it was Vanessa's voice Um, to me that made sense because it was Vanessa's doll yeah um, and it's Vanessa's head. It's Vanessa's soul. It's her essence. Yeah, that it didn't it's, work yeah. for me. It didn't work for me. Um, I, first, I I can't exactly put my finger on it, but it, 
it wasn't threatening enough to watch her talking to herself because that's really what it felt like. And so when we finally get that moment where she touches it and cracks it in the scorpions, she sold it for me completely. But what actually was happening when I stepped back and didn't just think about the performance, I was like, I don't know. I've been waiting all season for this. All season we've been waiting for this one moment for her to stand up to Lucifer. Because this is Lucifer, the the incarnation of him, and I, I it just didn't completely do it for me. I I didn't mind the doll. I thought, first of all, a little factoid that the doll is the most expensive prop for Penny Dreadful because it's animatronics and um, puppeteering and hmm. all that. So yeah, little known fact. Um, I I loved it. I loved the utilization of it, Sarah. Like you mentioned, we haven't seen it in this way because this doll is meant to be a more of a mental obstacle for Vanessa, whereas when we see Madam t- toy with it, pun intended, um, <laughs> it's, it's more of a physical type of interaction, and then this was a mental thing for Vanessa, and I loved the moment when Vanessa was speaking in that verbus Diablo, and the doll was speaking back, and literally recanting the same lines to each other, but there was a moment, probably about two to five seconds where they were saying the exact same line at the exact same time. But then it built up that Vanessa was overcoming the doll, and I thought that was brilliantly well executed, especially from, you know, Eva, the the actress. It was just fantastic, and I loved the build-up and, yes, the cracking of the doll. And on top of that, um, one thing I want to add is in the effort they put into this doll, I really did like the eye movements, the reaction, the holding the for the kiss with the doll movements. Like, the doll's use of just, like, blinking and eyes I thought was very telling. On top of that, just pointing out obscure media... Uh, wants to mention that the doll was only one incarnation, supposedly, of Lucifer. Um, Some people are asking what the other ones were, but that has been put out there. So even though Vanessa said, no, your master, I think it's unclear whether what position Lucifer is now in. Yeah, I mean, and it's hard because Lucifer and in his many forms, how does one make Lucifer tangible? How do you personify such a spirit? Absolutely. And you see it in so many different shapes and forms, and I thought this was a very brilliant way of showing this going against Vanessa. Mm -hmm. I think that they did a really, really good job with the creation of the doll. The eye movement was incredible. I, I just, like I'm saying... It wasn't threatening enough to me, and I didn't feel like we were at risk. And if I'm not feeling like I'm at risk and that Vanessa is at risk, and I think Madame Kali is a bigger risk than this doll, then there's a problem for me because I I felt like no problem at the end of the day. I never thought for a single second that, that Vanessa was going to kiss it. I never thought that this thing was powerful enough. After watching th- the babies get kidnapped and killed and the hearts and all of these things all season that were so gruesome and so horrifying and me thinking, wow, this is the biggest bad ever. The culmination of it all in this doll that was Vanessa wasn't scary. Did you have a beef with how Madame Kelly ended up dying then i had a i appreciated the aging factor of it i I loved watching that and i loved watching her attempt to attack vanessa the actual murder ethan coming and slitting her throat was like a two second you can't even call it a saga i didn't even think it was two seconds it was it was the quickest thing um 
and I don't know. I, I, I felt like we, she started to lose her power a little earlier in the season, so maybe we built to that point. I didn't think that she was the be-all, end-all. We're not sitting here thinking that Lucifer is in her somehow. So that was okay, but if you blinked, you missed it. Mm-hmm. Isn't that the point, though, with Hecate, that we see Hecate manipulate, wait for her to get, wait for the aging to happen. When she sees it happening, she opens up the gate, mm-hmm. out comes Ethan, Hecate walks out, and then later in the episode, she walks out of the castle. Yeah, yeah yes. but I will say the first time that I watched it, I didn't even realize that Hecate was the one who released Ethan. I was like, how the heck did he just get out of there? Because, I don't know, maybe for a second I blink, I have no idea. It was literally the quickest shot. I guess that's how the show worked. But the second time I was like, oh, that makes a lot more sense. So I, I just think that for something, again, there's been so much building. This is a finale. All season we're reaching this point for things to happen so, so quickly uh, sometimes doesn't work for, for me. I, I do admit that I was surprised it was Ethan's character that took out Evelyn. I really thought it was going to be Vanessa because we saw in these past three episodes she's on this path of killing. And I was hoping for a finale, her next kill would actually be purposeful and to kill and end Evelyn's character, but it came from Ethan. Not that I don't mind it, but I'm just surprised at how there were people who ended characters that I wasn't expecting. Was there? What about the metaphor of Vanessa killing the doll? You know, I mean, I know it's not a death, it wasn't a human, but it was a Entity. Objects. <laughs> yeah. Sure. But it was, it had, I mean, it had some kind of power on some level. Right. Yes. I mean, there's no chance, and I think Sarah reiterated this from the chat, but that wasn't Lucifer that she killed. Lucifer's sure. not gone. Absolutely not. Um, but just, the, just, the, just the fact of ending that. that, you know, quote unquote threat. And I know that when Madame Kali is now gone, the threat is different, and if Lucifer changes to whatever, but there's still got to be, even if it's metaphorical, of Vanessa actually reaching out and killing that thing. You know, beloved, know your master, you right. know, you don't know what I am kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. it gave me, it re, um, I have more faith in Vanessa again, because I, as I talked about week after week, I've been losing this faith in her because I don't feel like she's as strong as a character as she was in season one. The fact that she was able to do this and resist and know herself and even down to the point where the scorpions seep into her hands and she accepts the darkness in her and all of that, I think that in some ways she's stepping back as a character and in some way she is letting the darkness in, but in a lot of ways she's also moving forwards and it's that weird juxtaposition. I I think that what you just said kind of answers one of the questions that we just got on the on the chat, um, What which is whether or not um, Vanessa has come across this power to, it says, does anyone else feel like Vanessa's power has progressed way too fast? And I think we might all kind of be on the similar page. For me, we've been watching her power progress for two seasons, and on top of that, we know that there's a backstory where she has had access to this power before. I feel like this season, we where she ended is where I want her to be. I do think she deserves the power that she got in this episode. There were chunks earlier this season where I felt like she wasn't where she should have been at that point. So I agree with that. Were her end results, if this is her end results for now, yes, this is earned. Two seasons, history, teachers, time apart, reading the book. She's come up with the avenues and why she's gained this power. It's the Vanessa we always knew she could be. Yes. Mm-hmm. There were parts in this season where I will stand by and say that I don't think she there she should have had more power in certain situations. In other episodes, not tonight. 
Okay. That's just my personal opinion. Do you guys think move too fast? Accurate? Problem with her power? I, I, I actually kind of agree with you. I think fast or not, I know there was a lot of episodes this season where I was frustrated with her for various reasons, but fast or not, she ended up where she was and should have been by the end of this one. Mm-hmm. And maybe this is really insignificant, but... The fact that she seemed finally calm, alone at that home at the end of the episode, I was like, thank God. Give her 10 seconds to breathe. Every night, every week, we see something come up. You know, the witch is coming out of the walls kind of stuff. And finally, one night, Sir Malcolm is gone, Sir Benny is gone, Ethan is gone, and she's just there turning off lights, and there's no... I mean, there's the somber tone to it because it's the last scene of the show, but there's no creepy tone to it like, oh, here we go again. Here's the next Supernatural. She finally gets a night off. But... It's also just adding, really adding that extra physical visual reinforcement. It's just showing that she's literally going into darkness and she's not afraid anymore. I really didn't get that sense that she was getting a night off. That is so not how I took it. I took it as, wow, I have huge hurdles ahead and I am completely alone. I agree with you on that, but I Mm -hmm. don't think those hurdles are imminent threats right now. I don't think those are hurdles that are assailing her home today. When I think of a night off, I think of, all right, I can breathe. I can relax. I think that this is the last the last thing on her mind is like, oh, breathing, relaxing. I think it's, okay, now I'm alone, and, and here we go. Like, I'm going to face this, and I'm alone. Um, so I, I took that, her transition, a little differently. Um, but going back, because before we leave the house, before yeah. we leave the Vanessa scene, I wanted to ask your guys' opinion on Ethan when he does come out and he does kill Madame Kali. Was that a somehow a level of protecting Vanessa? Was that a, I'm a werewolf and I'm going to kill the first thing that I see? Did you guys ever think he was possibly going to attack Vanessa? Like, what did you think of those moments? Well, there was the recognition factor. Right. Which I think was important. I th- the way that I broke it down was Madame Kelly was the first thing he saw. He came out. He had been scratching to get in. He comes up. When Hecate lets him in, then she like turns around the corner to hide herself. I think because she knew I can't be the first thing he sees. Right. And then he kills Madame Kelly, comes for Vanessa, but whatever it was, whether it was eye contact or whatever, stops him. And then he recognizes that she recognizes who he is. And I don't know, whatever the significance of that is, then obviously later he says... You know what I am. I think that was the moment where he was like, where where it clicked for werewolf Ethan versus okay. you know, yeah. mortal Ethan. I, I completely agree. I think it's the personal recognition. Also, is that everyone who's died by Ethan's hand as a werewolf were people that we he himself didn't really know, except for Sam Bene. Sam Bene, true. Yeah. Um, Yes, that is true. But everyone else, say, like, season one, even the beginning of season two, by his hand, is people that he hasn't spent a lot of time with, except for some Benny. But um, I, I did like the fact that his character, even in his werewolf form, he was very humanistic. He was standing on his two feet in, I mean, give it to the makeup, he did kind of just look like a man in a mask. Mm-hmm. But... I like the fact that he still has, he retains some humanity, which would stop him from attacking Vanessa. But why is he capable of not attacking Vanessa, but he attacks Mbene? Is it because of the connection and the three always chasing around, and that's why he doesn't attack Vanessa? That's, that's my interpretation. That despite his friendship with Mbene, that has especially grown in the past couple of weeks, there is 
a deeper thing beyond friendship with Vanessa that does deal with these circles of fate, destiny, and the supernatural. And they are conjoined in that way. And there's a recognition between both of them in that moment. Um, On top of that, my bigger question was, if he's a werewolf and has a really good sense of smell, how did Hecate just stand there? Yeah. Because she seemed to be the lever from what... Was it the lever on the outside of the top door or... On the outside of the bottom. No, door. no, no. Hecate was watching Madame Kali yes. and Vanessa, so Hecate was in that room or inside a like side room. I don't yeah. think it matters that he has good sense of smell. I think he came out guns a blazing. Like I don't think he came out like looking for it. But I just kind of feel like he would have I don't know recognized or seen that, or as a wolf, like as he was leaving, sensed it. I don't know. It bothered me a little bit mm-hmm. that I knew he had to pass her to get in. Got it. Did. Anybody else sense fear on Vanessa's face when she saw him, or did you guys think she was confident in her position? I thought it was fear. I thought I she, thought fear. yeah, because he's a wild card. His that version of him is a wild card for her. Okay. And when he comes in, guns ablazing. Yeah, I think it was total fear. And then after that, you recognition my line sits in. You stealing what? my guns ablazing? I am line? stealing your yeah, line. Okay, I'll lend it to you for the show. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Don't come out guns ablazing on me now. Oh, true story. Um, Plus. Wherever we were. No, I think it was fear. Okay. For Vanessa. At the start, and then they both kind of recognize each other, and I think it was fear from him, too. Remember, she tries to touch his face, and it was almost a fear of, like, maybe this is totally off, but it was almost a fear of, like, don't make me human, I don't want to feel human, don't touch my face like you touch a human's face, mm-hmm. if that's even a legit emotion, and he backs off. Werewolf Ethan backs off. I don't know if that's a significant thing, but I got different kinds of fear from both of them. And just to close the Simbene storyline... He killed him. We all on this panel prayed that he didn't. Is everybody in agreement now that Sembene is gone? Yes. He's dead. He's dead. Okay. We saw the other characters lament. And also, Danny Sepeni, um, the actor who plays Sembene, tweeted out today, he, he will miss the cast dearly. So, and, yeah. And, and John Logan spoke about it, too. Yeah. And He's gone. Not seeming so good. Should we take a moment? Keep breath for Sembene. We should have just jumped out the window. Sorry, just putting it out. He was a those, is that the eulogy? <laughs> he was a proper man. And we and Sir Malcolm have known few of them. Uh, let's move elsewhere in the house. Before we get to another serious scene, let's do a little interlude. Lyle, kicking ass. Lyle with a gun. Lyle with a gun. That was awesome. I mean, with one of the best lines of the night, never underestimate the power of a queen with lovely hair, my dear. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Never will I again. (laughs) I've been making fun of his beard all season. Never again. Great line. I'm so glad he finally got, you know, he shot that gun and killed that... Thing. I know. Thing. I know. Because, um, you know, she was just playing with her food for the length of all these scenes going on below her. And then <laughs> just at the moment where she finally is like, now I'm going to kill you. Then he reacts. Why? Which just syncs up perfectly with, like, everything that just timing-wise is going so in sync. And the back-to-back of Lyle just shooting one of these witches and then Malcolm shooting another and then both dying, to me, was like, that's what we had to do? Mm-hmm. Couldn't that's they have done that in the house that right. was stocked with guns? Like, I, I, that was just, that was one of Where the parts of the knives? show. That was one of the parts of the show that I was like, 
Really? And Malcolm's witch running from out of the wall all the way down the hall chasing them when before they've shown the ability to make themselves invisible and come out of the wall right behind you. Mm-hmm. It's like, wait, why is the witch running 40 feet? They were just really tired at that point. The witches were like, eh. <laughs> Transforming <laughs> takes a lot. <laughs> Um, or, I mean, could you could you argue that with, uh, I know this is a stretch, but with Madame Kali then being killed, they lose their power, direction, fill in the blank, and, and this is what happens? I, I think they lose their, their leadership and objective in all this now. Um, you know, you lose the queen bee, what message well, do you have? Well, her own objectives? Yeah. That is true. But... This and this is another example why I was surprised there are some characters that offed other characters and I wasn't expecting it. Lyle killing these two, uh, kill, killing the witches in shooting form. I was like, all right, nice surprise. I, I did love that because it was these witches giving him the most grief out of all that. So it was very good for his character to be the one to kill off the witches. Like, we should have we should have known it was going to happen. Now that I look yeah. back and I know it's easy to say have. in hindsight's twenty twenty, but Lyle the the least intimidating of the characters, one of the most mortal, the most comic relief. We've predicted for weeks, well, he's going to go, this is going to get him, this is going to get him, he's not going to make it through the castle. Of course he makes it. We should have seen that coming. Just checking in with all of our characters, Yeah, this means that Victor has killed somebody. We saw him smother Brona. Lyle has killed somebody. We saw it tonight. Ethan killed. Vanessa has killed. Malcolm has killed. Tons. Yeah. Sembene had killed. killed. Sembene was killed, so I don't, he's and not even on our list. And had in killed. Past, yeah. Yeah. So, and Dorian has killed. We saw that. And Brona. And Brona mm-hmm. has killed. So we're and all, they're all Claire's. And John Claire has, has killed. killed. Has, has killed a lot. Has killed. So I'm just, just checking no in angels. for a second. Just checking in. Are we all on the same playing field now? Um, of mm. our main people, it seems that way. I think there's relative differences. Relative like, uh, do you consider Lyle's killing a, a true? I mean, he's not killing. That a was mortal. like self-defense. Well, but I, it's the same as Vanessa's the previous week. She wasn't killing. She's killing a mortal, but she was killing what we would consider so a you, bad guy. So and, now and we're, I guess gonna have to, we're gonna have to classify our characters as self-defense murders and. Cold, not cold, like cold-blooded killers, like predatory almost. Yeah. But on the show, cold-blooded can mean you're actually cold-blooded. So we gotta, <laughs> we gotta. And Lyle, for the record, you kill mortals. If you are mortal, you can be killed. So he killed a mortal. But you know what I'm saying? He didn't kill a human. He didn't. He killed a being. I, I think the overall thing to look at is like all of them. We can't. They are in no place of judgment of each other. Because yeah. they all come from different places exactly, and all so. have their own problems. That's also, kind of the point that I was trying to make. Are we all on the same playing field? Like, none of us are, as you said, angels. We've all killed somebody. We've all got pushed to a point we never thought we would get pushed to. Yeah. He yeah. Could cast the first stone. Also, so. quick question on Lyle. Not that it matters, and maybe it'll never come up again because Kali is dead. Is he ever going to face, you know, a conversation with the team about... His well, that was packaged response. over a couple yeah. episodes ago. They forgave him, and now he shot one. So, so now he's, he's not okay. on their side. I thought That's, when they forgave him, it was just a ploy, and then they were gonna. But I did too, or at least they have a more serious. But I guess not. Okay, so Lyle's just part of the team. Now? I think he's still kind of an outsider, but I don't think yeah. we've seen the last of him. I think we'll certainly see him yeah. in season three. He definitely has his purpose. Yeah, so. I'd be pissed if we didn't. Mm-hmm. And well, Malcolm and. 
Victor survived the room of... Just barely. Thanks to just, Ethan. Just barely. Thanks just to Ethan. Just barely, you know, uh. by about two seconds. <laughs> <laughs> Together at the exact same time. Yep. Because they both mentally function in the same way. Um, that was so beautifully shot. Yeah. As we're watching both of them. The I, editing. I wow. thought that was incredible. I, I loved that. I thought the dialogue was very, very poetic. Um, how it bounced off each other. Like, the words just literally seemed like poetry. Um, also, the opposing lights. I understand how they were cutting back forth. I wasn't lost at all. It, they made the each speech make complete sense for the character. It didn't but it, some of these pieces just fit a little too perfectly together for me. Explain um, everything. For instance, the scene downstairs or with Vanessa is a long scene. It is a long scene. That's which a, which scene are you talking about? The scene with the dolls? Yes. While supposedly the entire time Malcolm and Victor are being tortured by memories of their past. And at the same time, Lyle is being held up by his throat in the hallway. It just seems it's a little much for me sometimes when everything happens boom, 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 and there's no, like, cross-affecting. So Vanessa has her huge scene. Then we have to see Ethan destroy Madame Kali, which breaks the spell of the room just in time as both characters were simultaneously about to kill themselves as just outside this witch has been holding up Lyle the whole time and we it seems like they try and say that she's about to finally go for the kill shot and he kills her. So the coincidence was Versus, too much for, for instance, you. Yes, like Lyle didn't kill her right away even though he had the gun and opened the door and set them free. Like it had, it was, it was just like they all coincided at such an exact necessary point, and it felt to me contrived instead of earned. I totally see what you're saying. It didn't affect me that way. I feel like dramatic license here, and it was so perfect in my mind in a great way. And I understand why sometimes perfection means that it's actually flawed because it's not working for you. Mm -hmm. But for me, I just thought bouncing back and forth between these two men that I find to have very little in common actually showed how similar they were and what and and having them surrounded by their children and their family or what would be we would consider Victor's children or creations. I, I thought this was brilliant. Yeah. I thought it was brilliant. I I loved it too. I understand Sarah you think that Vanessa's part was a little long. Is no, also I liked the length. I'm not saying yeah. her oh. thing was long, long relative long. to the that other too. temporal long structure. Too in, in time like but but also during before she even destroyed the doll, she had her own dream vision as well. So if you think about it in juxtaposition in that way, all three of them were seeing things that weren't really there. There's a dream vision. You you good girl, you remember that I forgot to talk about the dream vision because mm-hmm. oh my Had gosh, back. a huge question. Is this actually d- Vanessa's dream vision or is this just what Lucifer thinks Vanessa's dream vision is? Wh- what do you guys think in Vanessa's dream life? Is this what she wants? Now, keeping in mind, season one, the finale, she goes and she's like, all right, I'm going to, uh, what is that called in religion when you are 
uh, get the devil out of you. Exorcism. exorcism. She wants to be. She wants to go through exorcism. I don't know if that's grammatically correct, but that's what was happening. Take and exorcism. he says, "Okay, but being kissed by the hand of the devil or whatever it is, it's it's still connected to God. Are you sure you want to be normal?" And we inevitably find out she doesn't. And that was kind of the same dilemma in this episode. Are you sure you want to be normal? Was this what she actually wanted? She claims to say, "You offer me a normal life. Why do you think I want that?" Was this her vision? Was this his putting this? Did she want? What do you guys think? I th- I think the thing is dreams change with time. Um, I think originally she wanted a normal life, and then with real life situations, it changes her perspective and how she looks at things. So match having this so-called perfect family right now, all in white and pure, and having Ethan as her husband, which, I mean, it was surprising. I mean, I should have seen it coming. But also, I think Ethan is the closest thing she could have to having a normal life. You think so? If Ethan was. And I think that was the purpose of Ethan being married to her in her dream. And then also adding these two children that she can have a perfect, happy family that she never had. Mm Mm-hmm. And like with time, things, ideas change, dreams change, and this was just what she wanted in the past, what could be in the future. Now, well, what do you guys think about that? I, I don't think that was her dream. I think that's the devil's manifestation of what he thought her dream to be, maybe. I think she threw him a curveball that entire scene, whether it was the dream sequence and then you know, the beloved know-your-master kind of deal. Madame Kali reacted in such a way at the end of that sequence when she realized that she, what was going to happen wasn't going to be what she wanted. She reacted in such a way that it made me think that nobody on that side of the ball, that team, expected mm-hmm. that. And because nobody expected it, everything we saw before it was not what Vanessa wanted. It wasn't real Vanessa. She threw them a curveball the whole way, and that includes the dream. So okay. I don't think that that dream was her dream. The question that it brings, it's because I kind of stand in where I think it's part of her dream. I think part of her does want that. But, and that is the part that sought out, the exorcism. But what this makes me question is that when she denies this dream, what does that mean her dream really is? What does that mean she really wants? And what we have is a woman who has embraced who she is, a darker side to who she is, and who is a little bit, who is, in my opinion, lost from her religion and her faith and her God, and now also separated from her friends and allies. And I want to know what Vanessa wants, who she wants to be, and like, Because as of now, she's walking alone to some unknown shore, which is just very ambiguous. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I'm very interested to see the path that she does take, who she follows, who she wants to align herself with, or if she's alone, if she's going to go more of the cut wife route and help people. Right. And and on that note, I think in some ways she's more short than ever, and in some ways she's more lost than ever. And I don't think she has an exact like if you got to sit here and interview Vanessa I think and you said what do you want she could probably give you a semblance of an answer but not a full and complete answer I don't think she even knows Um, my other question about this scene and this is looking really really closely at the details and I have no idea if uh, any of you thought about this at all but 
she names her kids in this dream Charles and Claire. Claire like John Claire, Charles like who, what were you guys spelled like Claire? Yeah, what, like John Claire. What were you guys thinking about that? These kids, obviously Ethan is Ethan. Um, any thing that we're thinking about with these kids? Why one boy, one girl? Why the, the whole thing? And, and going off of the Claire, and I think that just goes with dreams in general that they tend to be an amalgamation of real life and what you imagine. Mm-hmm. And knowing John Claire in real life for her, that could have bled into what she wanted and fantasized. Yeah, I just I think it's something to think about because every part of this dream clearly was relevant. Yeah, there's no accents. They right. didn't sit there and say, let's do this and that and dress them in this and have them do that. Mm-hmm. And then, oh, these kid names. What would be a cute kid name? Yeah, yeah they didn't do that. Oh, little Charles. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I think it's interesting to think about for the future. What was her father's name? Vanessa's father's Vanessa's name? Vanessa's father's name. <sighs> That's a good question. If, if that was Charles, Sarah that might be Charles. Sorry, what did you just ask? What Vanessa's was Vanessa's father. father's name? Sir Malcolm. No, no, no. no, 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 no. Father. Her father. biological father. Possibly Sir Malcolm. That's, that is true. No, but the, but the, the father that raised her. Okay, I'll look. Smartass. I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> um, like, if he was named Charles, that would make sense. Especially during, I mean, a lot of generations still do that, but name their children after the you know senior parent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, last thing in the home before we move on, in the castle before we move on, Roxy, I regret having to say this, but I really thought that we were going to lose Victor. I think we... Say it. Say it. It's, it's halfway out. Why are you sorry? Because I'm skipping ahead. Okay. Um, I thought we were. I know what you were going to say, but I thought we were going to lose Victor in the castle. I really did. I thought did. he was going to be the one. I thought it was more likely that we would lose Malcolm. And that's the, just because you love Victor. No, because Victor. I think it's less likely that Victor was going to OD than Malcolm was going to blow his brains out. Are you sure this isn't because of your undying, totally biased no, love for I, Victor? I talked last week about how I really thought we were losing Victor. Uh, sometimes I think we're losing Victor. Victor is looking for an escape. And Victor is in a little bit of a different spot. I think that Malcolm at this point was like, stop the madness. I can't take this anymore. As opposed to Victor, who's like, bring me somewhere else. Uh, which are two a little bit different. Yeah. They're a little bit different. Uh, but I totally get why he felt that way. I mean, his eyes are bloodshot enough that we could leave, lose him just to that. Like, <laughs> and, and, But also, Sir Malcolm's been through a lot this year. He's lost Gladys, Mina, and now some Benny, all within a year, year and a half time span. And Peter so, keeps coming back, so every time and, he loses exactly. him. Exactly. Like, so he has a lot of personal loss that he's facing with. So... It, it would be upsetting to end Sir Malcolm's character with so much lost he himself. So mm-hmm. I think because he lost so many characters, the only way, good way to end or make amends with his characters is for him to atone everything he's done, mm-hmm. which he still hasn't. He still hasn't gotten Peter's body, and he still has to return some Benny's body. Which is what's happening now. Yes. Yeah, so he, yeah, okay. Um, going, can we yeah. pause and go back? Although, for sure. Although I know we are talking about Victor and we'll continue to do so, the chat pretty much is in agreement. Um, Mr. Henry84 points out that Vanessa's parents, who she was raised with, are Gordon and Claire. Gordon and Claire. Mm. But almost everyone also agrees that Malcolm 
has pretty much been confirmed as her biological dad in lines that were said by people like the witches and oh absolutely and, so right. yeah okay. we're just all on the same clear. page about yeah. that we were clear. just talking yeah. about naming yeah. wise and whatever it's interesting charles now we can go back to the self-destructive victor self-destructive of Thank self self-destructive of worlds which is worse who knows <laughs> self-destructive of veins he is Oh, God. Roxy. <laughs> I. Roxy. He's my favorite character on the show. I think he is dealing with this the most appropriately of all of them. Like, I really. I'm not saying that most that's how you should. That's not. No, that's the wrong <laughs> word. I think he's dealing with this the most realistically of all of them. Like, the rest of these people, I don't know how they're doing it. He, Victor's like, gosh. Just gotta shoot up. Like, appropriate is so the wrong word, but realistic is very, <laughs> very accurate. Like, I think that this is an accurate way that a lot of people would handle this. I love him. I think that he's a really, really good guy who needs a lot of help. I love his character. I think his heart is in the right place. I think that he is self-destructive, but I don't think he's hurting anybody else in the ways that... I get it. You disagree with me, Sarah. I know. I get it. He's hurting so many other people. I don't agree. I don't think that he is. I think he's hurting himself, first and foremost. And I think that when you are an addict, yes, other people are in the line of fire, And but I think that, first and foremost, you are hurting yourself. Period. And I think that he needs help. I definitely think that, but I think that his character is so incredible. I think they're building an amazing character here, especially going into the Victor scenes. Building him up or tearing him down? I just keep thinking Roxy Stryer constantly straddling the line between immense analytical depth and profound political incorrectness. (laughs) Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. No PC mess here. Um... Let's yeah, talk about true. Victor's scenes after, because he is a good transition point, because I know you want to talk about him. Um, let's start with him coming home, seeing that Lily Brona is gone. Uh-oh. Mm-hmm. What happened in the chat? No, and, and Kurt... Alessio Costa, he's the Kurt Cobain of science. Just had to point that out to Roxy, because I knew she would like it. And if you know me, I'm obsessed with Kurt Cobain. Like, watch every doc on it, obsessed with Kurt Cobain. So it makes... Perfect sense. So she has a thing for junkies. No, it's not. That's not it. (laughs) I I have a thing for people who I think have incredible minds. Tormented. Tormented, incredible minds. Not a thing for, like, I I have the utmost respect for people who try to make a difference and who are, are tortured souls. I think that it's a really hard life path to go down. And let's hope that Victor doesn't go the same way as Kurt. Let's hope that, because you either end up dead or in jail or you get the help you need and if you don't get the help you need what's going on sir um i'm just reading the chat and a lot of people have a lot to say about victor a lot of people are like (laughs) you know victor is a good character great um one made me laugh out loud from jessica bryan who said victor is the reason not everyone deserves the right to bear arms a woman leaves you or insults you so you shoot them and then be sorry later in all fairness i don't think i would laugh normally but i'm really tired i i i completely agree with that comment you can't just like shoot two people because they're pissing you off and sleeping together. But at the same <laughs> right. time... So I think it's actually worse that he shot um, Dorian because he didn't know Dorian was coming back. But he did create Lily. He did bring her to life. Right. So, it, not that it's his life to take, but she's already dead. Also, this was just a very interesting scene in general that we finally saw... Are we there Lit- yet? We're well, there, okay. yeah. Okay. We, we entered it while you Bruna were reading that last comment. The yeah. first person I believe we actually saw Victor kill through suffocation. 
right? Yes. And this is, and we've oftentimes seen Victor struggle with pulling the trigger, especially when confronted with uh, Mr. Claire. There's been the scenes where he's had the gun behind his head. Mm-hmm. He's never been able to pull it. It's, and then this scene, and Bruno he was, was dying anyway. At Lily, eye to eye, and was able to pull the trigger, and then seconds later, able to pull it again on Dorian, which to me was just like very interesting because this show made a point earlier of saying to Vanessa, once you kill one, it just becomes easier. And this to me was almost like the example of that. When- and we saw him really become a killer. When we talk about him though, and him shooting Brona or Lily, sorry, in this scene do we think that he thought this was going to kill her again? Yes. I think we need looking at that scene, I don't remember what she said but he had the gun on Dorian she said something to him and he whipped around and shot her without thinking which is a difference I know know he stared her in the eye and I know he was looking her in the eye and was mad at her anyways but that one little subtle difference that in that moment he was not keyed on her and then pulled the trigger, he whipped that thing to her and pulled it almost without thinking Mm -hmm. and I think that's significant that he let his anger get the best of him and his shame and everything get the best of him. Right. And that he's coming off the rails. As if we didn't already know that, so he's coming off the rails. It was a reactionary yeah. type of action, yeah. Undoubtedly, when he shot Dorian, he thought he was going to kill him. Yes. Undoubtedly. Mm-hmm. Like, there is no... He had no idea that Dorian was... Uh, at least that's my opinion. I agree. But Lily is up for debate, in my opinion. I think that he... It was reactionary. He may or may not have believed it was just going to injure her. I don't even know if that was a thought in his mind because I think he was just like, you pissed me off. I need need to know the rules, though, because Proteus died. So do you have to rip them limb from limb? There is clearly a way... To, that these that they can be killed, but yeah. Proteus was also 1.0. Now we're on 3.0. So who knows? Every she has less scars than Proteus did. She yeah. has less scars than Caliban did. Um, she didn't take multiple different people to make her. She was one person. I don't know if the rules change based on that or not. You would have to assume that they're just getting more advanced, and the more advanced you are, the harder it will be to kill you. I can't possibly believe that. It, there's no way to kill her. Like a vampire, like a oh, werewolf, yes. there are ways. Maybe you yeah. just burn them. We haven't my, found it yet. My my, yeah. my thing is, and I don't want to sound too nitpicky, but when corpse die, you you know you drain the blood. And then when he shot Brona, who's supposedly supposed to be dead, and cold. she was bleeding like no other. And I was like, she shouldn't have blood running through her. I had the exact same thought. Dorian, I understand why he has blood going through him. Right. He's a different beast. And I get it for production value. Yes, they were beautiful white outfits. And I was like, oh, it's terrible. You destroy them with red. But I loved it. Visually, it was astounding. Mm-hmm. And especially them dancing or around in that beautiful lit room. I, I thought it was amazing. And I even have it in my notes. Why white? Only to see blood red. Mm-hmm. And you knew that was going to happen, too. But I had the same thought, Marissa. But why did Brona have blood? Well, because it was an interesting visual that they could dance in. Mm-hmm. Um, let's go to another Just part from the chat, because a lot of people have been talking about it, not only how to kill Lily, but also the discovery that Lily said she knew the whole time. And what we thought about that, about how malleable... Called um, About how malleable uh, Victor was, about what she knows. If she, she calls him creator, she said she's known that the whole time. 
Yeah. Okay. Well, was that just you setting it up? Yeah, I, I feel like I have a lot more to say, but I just figured I should stop there. Why is that? Um, my biggest question, I said it in the chat, because I'm sorry, it bothers me, is just that, and I, I asked them, I was like, well, if she remembered from the ver- the whole time who she was, does she remember just that she was created? Does she remember that her whole life as Brona? Because if she remembers her whole life as Brona, does that mean two things? One, she remembers loving Ethan. Two, she remembers being smothered by her almost like own, not own choice, but with recognition from Victor. I think, like, does she remember those two things? And if she remembers those two things, then why did she not at any time go look for Ethan if she really did love them? Or in being recreated, did she just become a hateful, horrible person? I think remembering things and feeling things are two completely separate things. So having the Mm -hmm. knowledge that something happened, I believe she has that. Mm -hmm. Having the same emotional reaction... No longer. What what her makeup is, the blood that runs inside her, her her heart, everything pumping, anything making the, the organs, the system work is completely changed for her. And I don't think that it's the same the same feeling. So I would, if I had to guess, she does remember those things. And I I think so. Yes, she does remember. But also her. She might remember a life that she didn't like, and she might not even want to go back to that life, despite if Ethan was maybe the only ray of sunshine she had. I think she's more comfortable and content with the current Lily persona that she's now living. And so if she likes her life now, why even go back? Hadn't she said it a couple weeks ago, a couple episodes ago, talking about never letting a man take advantage of her, not her exact words, but something that affects... It was about getting on your knees and never kneeling for a man again. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But now it's immortality that she now has Dorian by her side, and they can both rule. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, be the class that rules. Let's. I want to. I keep playing check in, but I want to check back in how you guys are feeling about her relationship with John Clare versus her relationship with Dorian. So we do hear her give this whole John Clare speech. She. I don't know really how many days it's been since John Clare's been gone. She clearly doesn't care to notice what she said to him and being the undead and whatever, and the two of them rising. And now watching her with Dorian in this episode, what do you got? How do you feel her head is? Do you she think- moved on to an immortal who she's more attracted to. So you don't think she's playing Dorian right now? Um, I think that she could possibly be playing Dorian. I feel like it's just she's trying to, if someone better, if another immortal better than Dorian came along, I think she could ditch Dorian. I think she's just taking mm. steps up the ladder, in her opinion, and Dorian is better to her than John Clare. They both have the immortal thing going for them, and this one she's actually entertained by. And who, if we take her at face value for the master race, you know, the master immortality, set of immortal, immortal humans or whatever, that she was telling Victor, what if we do take that at face value? Who the hell is Victor going to tell? Who's going to believe him if he says it? You know, maybe she wasn't bluffing at all. Maybe she hadn't been bluffing at all. And we take her and Dorian's relationship at face value because Victor can't turn around and go to the cops with that. Victor comes running into any room, looking the way he looks and says, 
I just shot two people. I just both them alive. <laughs> like, that's literally what he's talking He's like a mumbling, I don't want to call him an idiot because I love him, but like, no credibility at yeah. all. No, mm-hmm. You can't believe him. I mean, I, interestingly enough, I think that Vanessa would probably believe him, but I think she might be the only one. Rusk isn't. No London police officer is. So how do you, you know, how would you begin to go about that above board? Maybe, not to get too prediction-y, but Dorian and Brona and Lily become, you know, our evil set in the next season in a different way because they have this master race they want to start doing. But even with that, it's like that's a hell of a thing to get people on board. If Victor comes in bloodshot, you know, bags under his eyes, strung out like crazy, saying, okay, I created these people. They're undead. Now it's a master race. It's taking over the world. Even Vanessa's like, dude, what? Yeah. But I like that storyline. If you think about it. Yeah, oh, it'd be great. (laughs) That's a more realistic, humanistic type of problem that people could actually deal with face value. It's like artificial intelligence, right? everything that goes on with Vanessa and spirits that's intangible. You can't do that. And you can't. That's a different monster of it in itself. So having humans against more humans... I think that that would be interesting to watch. And that Dorian, a, a, a hypothetical Dorian Lily Master Race storyline is a parallel to a hypothetical robot technology thing that we joke about, but I mean, you know, yeah. not to sound too conspiracy theorist, but come on. The other thing yeah. I've been thinking about is the only one who's been able to do this to our knowledge so far has been Victor. He's been able to create a person. But who helped him do it this last time was John Clare. Now, does John Clare possibly have the knowledge to recreate this? Because right now they're an army of three, if you count Dorian and Lily and John, is there a way that we can get more people in this army without bringing in Victor? Do, do they have the power, or is it just the three of them? Is it even the three of them? John seems to want to be running. There's just so many questions on how big this group of undeads can get. I'm going to say if they did position like John Clare to be able to create bodies, I would not be happy. Yeah. Because I think that although he knows a factor, like, if they had him go through that whole process and then he was able to do this without further information, without stealing equipment or journals or something, I would I would be like, you jumped that. I don't believe you can learn that from one mm-hmm. one pulling of a lover. Agreed. You don't know any of them. There's like five lovers. Yeah. Agreed. So, but maybe he does steal the journals. Maybe he does. I mean, he yeah. could. He could, but I don't think it's at that point I, yet. I don't think John Clare would ever do that because now his whole mentality is to get away from mankind why would he help assist create more? Well, he still wants a companion. And I know his trust has been destroyed now with Lavinia and with Bro. There's been issues. His companion thing has not been perfect. But no. that was such a pure motive for him for so long. I got to believe that he does not want to sail alone in the Arctic or wherever the hell he is for the rest of his life. He's going to want a companion. And if that means he has to create them. Mm-hmm. I was kind of thinking, though, he would be a fantastic boatsman. Yeah. He would be. He would. He's strong. He doesn't get cold. I don't think he can get seasick. Like, and he's good solitary perfect. if he can read and he has a library. I mean, no, he's he wouldn't not. want a companion. It's like his not. perfect job. 
He's still yearning. It's no, it's sad. His story is sad because he right now is very malleable and he could go one of two ways. And if we keep treating him like crap by the humans, aka the Putneys, and people like that keep coming in, he's going to turn to the monster side. And right now we can still pull him towards the light, but we need to guide him a little bit. Do you think we can, though? Has he lost all? No. I mean, he was imprisoned by the Putneys. Has he lost all trust with all humans? No, because For people like Vanessa. Vanessa. Mm-hmm. Okay. You get it, girl. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the Putneys, speaking of them. I like how all three of you just <laughs> nodding at me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was not made to <laughs> scream. How about Boom. that? So good. Did you see that coming? People on the chat last week were like, just have him pull the bars off. And I was like, guys, you can all be happy. He pulled the bars off. (laughs) We should have seen that coming because we know he has incredible strength. And we should have known, well, I I think we all did, but to know the fact that he wasn't going to be in that prison very long. Okay, if I have incredible strength, the second I go in there, because it looked like he'd been in there for a bit now. For an, a night. Right. You're going to sit a night. Yep. You're going to sit a whole night. Mm-hmm. I thought that this was ridiculous. No, I think it speaks to the the monster turn you said we can still pull him to the light side. I think stuff like this speaks to pushing him to that dark side. Now, was he justified in killing the Putneys? For sure. I'm not going to say he shouldn't have done that. They turned out to be awful people. Mm-hmm. But... The premeditated nature. He could have just run out. He could have immediately defended himself. He didn't. And, and this is worse, he left Lavinia to find them. I don't... If he knew that he could pull the bars off of this, then he should have freaking pulled the bars off of this. If he didn't know, that's another thing. And in that moment of rage, he was able to do it. But if he had the knowledge that he could escape from here, you do not sit in prison one second longer than you have to. I think you do. I think if if you have the knowledge... What would be the the downside of escaping earlier? No, no, but we're not talking about staying for months or years. We're talking about a day. But he was in for a day. Why? It was to properly end the Putneys. Exactly. Escape earlier to end that. For storytelling. Because he needs, he was waiting for that moment. That moment came soon where the Putneys come down and start to gloat and start to give him hope. And he says, Hope, huh? Boom. I really, it's, it's, I liked it, but it's also cold and it shows a premeditated evil side. And it also shows that people like the Putneys shouldn't be alive. (laughs) From David von Kettering, another, besides the storytelling aspect, he says maybe he wanted to learn the full plan before he reacted. Fair point. That's a very good point. I I could take that into consideration. However, I'm just saying, personally, you put me in a cage and I know I can get out of it and I can, and there are no repercussions of me getting out of it, I'm getting out the second I do. Well, he has patience. Yeah, and I think it's a personality thing. You don't need to have patience. But I think it's a personality thing, too. It's, your personality is very, excuse me, different than John Clare's, and that's not to knock you, but you're, you're gonna confront a lot more, and he's shy and so far reserved, he's gonna say, how do I, how do I get this on my terms? You know? I don't know. I I don't, I thought it was perfect. I don't buy sitting in prison for longer than you have to. From anybody, don't care what your personality is. What I did buy was him leaving Lavinia alive, which was awesome. Oh my gosh, I can't wait till she comes back. I want to sock this girl in the face. I want Victor to inject her with some heroin. What did you make of him leaving her alive? I thought I thought it was the best way to end her character. Yeah, her finding. 
now this is out of touch. It, it had to be out of touch because she can't see them. And this is probably, I'm glad that he didn't kill Lavinia because she now has to live with the guilt and what, and the actions. And doesn't he, and, and I hate to say this, but in a, in a weird way, doesn't he make her into what he is? isolated and alone she's blind she needs help she can't function alone people are going to look at her differently she's going to be a charity case at this day and age in london with no parents she can't get on herself he leaves her the way that he has been seen by other people i think that's poetic justice for him right that's a better revenge than killing her and they even reminded us that she was so horrible because she comes down you think maybe for a second she's okay are you sleeping and then she goes into the cruelness and i'm thinking all right now he's got to kill her because this is justifiable just like it was with mr and mrs putney but he doesn't and that shows restraint that shows that he is capable of making the smarter play i think it shows cool ass evil too yeah. you know mm-hmm. it really does if he, if he just got emotional and was like I'm going to kill everybody I'd be like yeah that's justified someone has You're to live dude. with everything that exactly. mm-hmm. although now she can very easily point a finger at who killed her parents yeah but he's gone so yeah he, yeah, he left so yeah. she's going to say he killed my parents they're going to say why she's going to say because they put him in a cage <laughs> <laughs> They're going to say, okay. Well, Well, and you're right, he has his parted. And, I mean, Rusk is, well, Rusk is also... Well, Rusk isn't the only cop in London, but he might as well be. It's all what we know. (laughs) As of right now. Um, All right, let's let's move on a little bit. Uh, What do we make of Ethan? Let's talk a little bit about his eventual extradition, really more that scene with Vanessa before it when the werewolf discussion gets brought up and the letter and all that kind of stuff. And the opportunity for love and running away mm-hmm. again. Mm-hmm. And he turns it down. A bad move. Really? I didn't want him to turn it down. They but I understand that they have to extend this out longer. So. This is some Ross and Rachel crap we got going on here. <laughs> They're just trying to pull this out through the seasons. This is our love story. The first first interaction we have with lover's the tarot card. cards, the lover's card, mm-hmm. we knew this was coming. There was so much foreshadowing. It will eventually come. We will get our day where they are able to be together. I believe that. I guess today is not the day. Yep. Nope. And so... And now he's going to go bad move and turn himself in to a police officer who's going to shoot him away. Yeah, but more importantly, she's going to believe that that's what happened. She's going to believe that he gave himself up and he's actually going to be in America. Well, here's here. Uh, so, questions. Um, First off, his, go, go ahead. ahead. I was gonna say his letter did not make it sound like he was gonna give himself up. It sounded like he was gonna commit suicide. suicide. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, he that was a he, 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 tried, he tried. Yeah. He wanted to be yeah. hung. Yeah. That's the thing. Yeah. He wanted to be hung, but he found out he wasn't. So, that I guess is you answered suicide. You answered my first question was was he giving himself up to end the misery? And I think he was. Mm-hmm. But and he didn't want to hurt anybody anymore. Yeah. He didn't want what happened with Sembene to happen to anybody else. Now this extradition. Why is he fighting it so hard? Because if he gets extradited, hey, he's going to get killed in the U.S., who cares? Yeah. No. But. That's sad. But I think it's knowing what is to come. He's not getting killing. killed in the U.S. That's not what's happening. They're using him for something. Mm-hmm. He, somehow, he's being exploited, and something is happening. When he goes to the U.S., his dad makes him do... Maybe it's pack mentality. The wolf. Something. Yeah. Because there's no way. If all that happens if he goes back to the U.S. is that he gets hung there. So 
okay, a couple of his friends missed his funeral. Like, I don't think that's the biggest of his worries. Right. I think that something, he's not getting killed if he goes back there. He's got to do even worse stuff than he's been doing out here. Mm-hmm. He, he's going to get, re- he's going to release himself there and kill a bunch of people. I mean, not to get it too prediction-y. But I, I think the, the thing is that knowing what's to come, what he thinks, but also caging him up like an animal, shaving him down because his hair is now cut like an animal. So cute. That was at, not, not cute. No, he is. He's just... <laughs> To be emasculated all day, that. Roxy, Josh Hartnett's girlfriend's pregnant, okay? He's not available. (laughs) I want Victor. Everybody knows. (laughs) Um, uh, Listen, uh, let me just talk about the elephant and the wolf in the room. Uh, It's going to take a couple weeks passage across from Europe to America, Mm -hmm. from England to America. There's going to be a full moon on the passage. Can we just let's be honest no about worries. that? No worries. These chains even get to hold. America. They're just going to turn right back around. And chains, uh, chains withheld him in the some basement. Ben- downstairs. That's true. Mm-hmm. Wait, but that's um, against the wall. We're going to put this against the the wood the of the ship. He's in a cage. He's in a metal Who cage. Who knows if it's strong enough? Maybe not. Maybe we'll end up with a ship full of dead people. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Mm-hmm. A ghost ship. That would be what something. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, that'd be awesome. Uh, <laughs> anything else? I guess nothing else on Ethan, the extradition. What do you guys make of the letter? Anything notable there? Besides the whole sounding like a suicide thing, which it kind of, I mean, it was. I, it, it, it's just, to me, it just reminds me of the fact that when, am I wrong? Is my memory just messed up? Didn't Vanessa ask for him, him to let her end it at some point? But, I'm like no, they could oh, end her suffering. Yes, yeah. she like, asked she him to shoot her. Yeah, first yes, season. because she can commit suicide because of right. sin or whatnot. And so she asked him, and he was like, "That's never the way to go," but that's the way for him to go. I think that it was a different circumstance, mm-hmm. but that, that conversation <laughs> did happen. That I was did. Like, did yeah. I get that up? No, it did happen, and it's a really good point. Um, I love what I did like about this episode is there were a lot of callbacks to season one like that and like I discussed before her coming to terms with being normal or not being normal there were we're dealing with a lot of the same problems in bigger ways um, and so yeah I think that this was him though instead of wanting to end his suffering I think he wanted to make sure that nobody else was going to get hurt which is exactly what she wanted so wh- what changed and is it just because it's him versus being her Interesting point. So much time has passed that they're so close that even if they did ask again to end each other's torment, they wouldn't do it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Vanessa and John Clare, what do we make of that kiss? Not romantic. No. Completely platonic. But sweet. It was very sweet. And also, in a way, kind of gave her hope, too, because they're all walking alone now. Mm -hmm. That is a very good point, though. They've definitely both gave each other some hope. Yeah. Like, just the dumbest thing you can do on this show is walk alone. Walk with somebody. Walk with somebody at your back and both your arms. Like a group of musk oxen or something linking around, Mm -hmm. protecting the young. Okay. I mean, this might just be me, but let me know if you guys thought this too. But, you know, we kept hearing the the wording, walk alone. It just made me think of, you know, um, Psalms. The, The whole walk through the shadows of death. I shall feel fear no evil, 
and thy rod and thy staff will comfort me. Walking alone in the shadow of death, I should feel no evil. That just kept reflecting in my head. Wow. Tell me what, like, go a step further with that. Oh, okay. So they, all the characters tonight end up being alone. They're they're all walking into shadows, into darkness by themselves. Mm -hmm. But that goes to the prayer that a lot of people pray. There's the line, I should... I shall walk through the shadows of death, but I should fear no evil. So even though they're going into darkness, they shouldn't be afraid. Because God is is always going to be there. But now we see Vanessa, she gives up her religion. I was going to say, now with her taking down the crucifix. So now I'm very, very torn with her. But someone in the chat said, what if, instead of introducing a big bad next, well, we'll probably still get a big bad, what if God... Like, Vanessa's God starts playing and starts coming up with their, mm. having their own role. Right. Could yeah. be very interesting. Mm. Interesting. Um, last question for you three ships. We end on three ships. Significance, passage, passage of time, simple stuff, or do you see anything else? Well, one of them is Malcolm's. Malcolm, Ethan, Ethan, and John Claire. One of them is John Claire. And then Vanessa's alone in a house, and Victor is in a bed with a heroine that maybe eventually now has gotten to the point that he can't come back to yeah. life. But if you think about it, just stop yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> That's terrible. Roxy, face facts. If you think about it he, geographically, he could, he could have overdosed. There was a there, lot going on there. There was zero, zero shot. However, it would be incredibly interesting if somehow Victor did die and people were able to bring him back to life and he had to, oh my gosh, don't do it. Stop right now. Everybody move on quickly before I cry. Okay. I'm fine with it. Going back to the ships. I don't care I'm how just you imagining feel. Victor's funeral. <laughs> no. It'd be so sad, wouldn't There'd it, There would be Roxy? no one there. There would be no white Vanessa flowers. Would come. That's what's so sad about it. Aw. I Vanessa. would be there. <laughs> She's going to go back 100 plus years. Okay, going Uh back to the ships. Go for it. If you think about it geographically, one's going north to the Arctic, one's going west to America, and one's going south to Africa. They're literally going in different directions away from each other. We're going to see at least one ship come back, and I think it's going to be Ethan's. Well, and we know know Malcolm's Malcolm's coming back. going to come back, yeah. Well, we assume. They're they're all going to return in some way. What this does in general is it leaves us with a very widespread array of what they could start with next season. Mm -hmm. Like, the way they ended it gave them justification to do a ton. We could follow, we could have a time jump, as people have mentioned. We could follow one character more than the other and have them interact. We could lose some characters for a while. On to, like, we're seeing such a pattern in shows now where you, we, we, we could lose two main characters for a full season without notice. Yeah. It happens. Like, they have given them a, themselves like a clean slate to play however they want. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And in terms of your question, the Hollywood Reporter asked John Logan, uh, with everyone separated and on their own, what can you tease about season three will bring them back together? 
John Logan says, if indeed they do come back together. Season 3 is a real change of pace for us, which is good. We can get out of the alleys and cobblestone bars of Victorian London and see a bit more of the world. Essentially, there's a pull bringing these characters together, and it's supernatural, partly romantic, partly shared destiny. So I think that... Vanessa. I think that that says that if they, some of them might not necessarily come back together, um, some of them will, but we are exploring other places. Where those places are, definitely one of them will be America, um, or I would have to assume, uh, who knows if we get to go to Africa, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how that all um, That would be nice, because we do hear a lot about Africa, too. Yeah, we do. Mm-hmm. Um, I, Interesting. I, I had two brief things that we didn't mention. You can absolutely discuss Okay, them. number one was uh, quickly the Putneys were talking about the other freaks, and they mentioned the boy in the apple crate and the elephant man's mm-hmm. not sister but could pass as the sister. Do you think that those were picked on purpose? Are we seeing them? Definitely picked on purpose because elephant man was during that time. There's right. Good references, I think. 1890. He died in 1890. I, yeah, I just wonder if we're, if we're trying to put him if we're trying to put John Claire in with a certain group do we not even know his group yet maybe his group is coming maybe he is the leader of the freaks but like in a more free kind of way maybe his posse is on their way I think it's just a reference for the current up-to-date generation audience who's watching this can understand what uh, who they're gonna place him with okay um way way earlier in the chat we're speaking of adding new characters mm-hmm. I can't remember who said it, but someone said that in a press release they really mentioned one new character coming to play, one main new character. Yeah, we talked about that. Well, the the one that we always bring up is um, Jekyll and Hyde. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that one is was specifically it? said for Marissa from yes. Israel because uh, Israel Perez who mentioned it. And if that comes into play, what what place would they be in? Who would they be dealing with? Oh my god. Right. Can, can you imagine him against Victor? Two scientists? <gasps> what? <laughs> yeah, and then the other thing was uh, Hecate burns down the house and she leaves and She lives. She she lives and She's she leaves. Alive, yep. But she don't care. In her song. Long hair. Don't care. Her uh, song her talks song, about isn't. until I see you again or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. I'm glad you brought that up because obviously that foreshadows we haven't seen the last of Hecate. Mm-hmm. Um, and for the folks at home, the song that she sings, if you know it, I'm going to Google it when I get home tonight. But it's it. late and maybe I'll forget it. But if you know it, if you're in the chat room right now and you Clap know what hands. song she's singing, I want to know that. So please um, write that in the I chat. I mentioned it earlier this it before. season. What yeah. is it? I mentioned it earlier this season when Evelyn was singing it in the pilot in the premiere because right. it's haunting. It's haunting, but it I believe that it was written for this. We should, they, we've heard it twice before. It's not like an old song. No, or it, it, it was for this. It is an old song. Oh, it is. It's an yeah. old song. Okay. okay, then excuse me. Well, if um, you guys know it before, we can search for it. If anybody has it on the tip of their tongue, it is a perfect book end to the witch story. You start mm. with Evelyn singing it, and now you end with Hecate singing it. Yeah, uh, guys, I think it's time for predictions. Your After Buzz TV predictions. Well, where the hell do we go from here? Um, again, that's, that's our that's question. our question for you guys at home. If you're in the chat right now, or if you're watching this throughout the week or throughout the year until we come back next year, what are your predictions for season three? Where do we go? You tell us what you think. We would love to hear from you guys. For the three of you, I'll ask the same question. Where do we go from here? Um, well, Victor is not conscious. Dead, coma, something. I don't know. He's lost for a while. 
Why do you have to keep going there? I'm just pointing it out. That's He's my close prediction. To being dead. And Vanessa needs to find herself a new friend. Who I don't think is going to be Lyle or Victor. <laughs> okay. Um, reading more from John Logan, he says the series starts with the image of her in front of the cross, and now we've ended the season with the cross being gone. Um, the end of the season was liberating to me as a writer, and he talks more about that. I think a lot of this next season is about to, is going to be about losing God and walking alone, not just without your people, but without your religion and um, the fight back from that and all, all of the things that that means. So I, I predict that we get a lot more of that. I'm incredibly excited to see Vanessa's character arc next season. Obscure Media mentions that the song is called The Unquiet Grave. Yes. The Unquiet Grave. The Unquiet Grave. Jessica Bryant mentions that Vanessa sang this in the seance. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. And and we also heard I thought Evelyn sang it earlier she, this year. Evelyn sang it in the first episode this, yeah. this Holy season. Holy crap! Even two days late, the live oh, the stream un- chat is amazing. And, and awesome. And Mr. Henry eighty four says, "Roxy, don't stop believing," and that's the most important thing. So <laughs> ha. <laughs> Love you, Henry. Love you, Victor. I love the chat. Uh This is the most interactive chat I think we have here at AfterBuzz, at least of any of the dozens of shows that I do. But for God's sakes, people stop encouraging Roxy. But you guys are amazing. I don't think Ethan's going to make it all the way to America. I think... As in he's dead or somebody else dies? I think he's going to be alive. Everyone else dies. Gotcha. And somehow he turns that ship around and goes back home. To London, not to America. Um, I, every obviously everyone's gonna so have to come dad? back together. We're still not there yet. Oh, I, it's season three. Come on, man. I think his dad's gonna come to him in London. Give He's gonna just father. get get ticked off and be like, uh, "Boy, I'm coming for you." Um, I think the the main thing is like, how does everyone come back? Vanessa's like the main character that like somehow brings everyone back together. Always, always in every scene. Um, so something's going to happen with her. Who knows? That's going to be exciting because now that she's lost religion, I'm still rooting for her. The girl is lost. The girl is lost. Um, yeah. Roxy, did something happen in the chat just now? Yeah. What happened? David Ro- said trolling Roxy is fun. <laughs> Roxy focuses on the negative because this that comment is... <sighs> Yeah. Boxed in by your welcome, Roxy, and Roxy rules. Controlling <laughs> Roxy. That's the perfect way to end season two. Real quick prediction for me: I actually agree with Sarah. I think we've seen the last of Victor, or the almost last of Victor. And it's not against you. I know I love to make fun of you, but Is I just about the trolling comment. No, it's not. I just think I think Victor's on his last legs. If you not think already we're losing gone. Losing Zimbabwe and Victor. Yes, mm-hmm. I do, and yeah. I think we're going to get a new character who's going to replace him. Not completely. But more or less in the main character spectrum. I'm out. Um, we're all out for another year, guys. No, thank I'm you. Out. Can uh, I close yeah, this, yeah, or did you want to? A whole nother year without Penny Dreadful. It's going to be a long eight, nine, ten months. But thank you guys again at home for a great second season. Uh, the chat, the tweets, the comments, all that stuff is awesome. I know a lot of you guys watch a lot of AfterBuzz shows, anyways. But if you do or don't, we are going to miss you and miss this show a lot until season three. Ladies, any final thoughts, final words to uh, impart? Best, best comment in the chat. There should be some African resurrection magic voodoo for some Bene. <laughs> oh. Yes! Okay. Yes. 
Just so you know, Sarah, that thing's called a hashtag. It says hashtag Team Hopeful. I know you're not on the social media, but... <laughs> Speaking of that, social media, Roxy, where can people find you if they want to tweet you this year? Uh, I'm going to miss you guys. Please, please, please keep the conversation going at Roxy Stryer. And if you want to talk to Sarah Stratton, tweet at Roxy Stryer. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening and commenting and all that fun stuff. You guys are amazing. You can follow me on Twitter at TV. And I'm on Twitter at Bobby DeMuro. Uh, AfterBuzz, remember, all social media outlets at AfterBuzzTV. We cannot wait to talk more Penny Dreadful. It's going to be a while, but thank you guys for making Season 2 so enjoyable. We'll see you when we see you next year. Good night, guys. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz, you later. The views expressed herein are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 